Welcome to the Careers, Employability and Skills podcast from Queen's University Belfast. This episode was recorded during an alumni networking event at the end of Go Global Week 2020 with guest speakers Neil Fleming, Richard Kirk and Lisa McCann and hosted by Conleth Burns and Rory McGrillan of the Queen's Careers Global Opportunities team. Hello everyone, uh, thanks thanks for coming along. We've got uh, three fantastic alumni to hear from um, later on in the session. Um, in today's session, we'll, um, we'll give you an introduction to, um, I'll give an introduction to myself and the Global Opportunities team. Um, like I said, we'll hear from three alumni um, who have kindly given up their time um, to talk to you. We've, uh, we've Lisa, Richard and Neil who have come along. Um, the, the, the three alumni, they've um, undertaken uh, Global Opportunities like uh, the ones that we've been discussing all week um, and uh, you'll find out later how those opportunities have influenced their career paths and um, there'll be a chance at the end we'll be asking our own questions to to our alumni but there'll be a chance at the end um, for you then to um, put up um, the questions on the chat and then uh, we'll ask those questions to to the alumni um, but just before um, we get into uh, the actual session, um, it seems really, really strange to be talking um, about undertaking global opportunities, um, considering that most, or, well, I suppose all of us now are dealing with lockdown in some way. Um, the opportunities that we've been discussing all week, um, and we're highlighting at this session also, um, they're for summer tw- uh, 2021 and onwards. So. Um, although the thought of any international travel may seem distant at the minute, um, hopefully in the new year restrictions may change and there'll be a degree of normality um, that uh, may return. So in terms of ourselves and the Global Opportunities Team, uh, our aim is to promote and support students um, with international study and work programmes. We are a team of six based in the Student Guidance Centre and you'll get to hear from my colleague Rory um, who will be, be interrogating the panel, should we say, later on. Um, uh, the alumni panel. Um, we uh, we engage with students on a on a daily basis. Um, now it would have been in the guidance centre, but now it's through mainly through email and video calls. Um, and we have drop-in sessions as well. Um, those drop-in sessions take place on a Tuesday and a Thursday from twelve to one. Um, the virtual drop-in sessions, and you can book those via My Future if anybody wants to um, have a chat with us. Um, we also run information sessions about all the programmes that are going to be mentioned today um, and we've been mentioning all week. Um, there's about 12 of those still to take place before the end of the year. So what I would suggest is go on to my future and take a look at all the sessions and, and, and register for them. These these um, kind of webinars all week, we see them as kind of like a starting point for you to begin your research on these sort of programmes. So today, like all the sessions, is about giving you an insight to the opportunities that are available. Um, and so therefore, we'd, we'd encourage you to, to take a look at our website, look at the details of the opportunities, um, and make yourself aware of any closing dates or application deadlines, etc. So now I'll hand you over to, to Rory, um, who will introduce uh, the, the alumni who came, on to, came along today, and um, he'll get started on the, on the questions. Thanks very much, Conleth. So I think I'll begin by introducing myself. My name is Rory McGrillan, and I'm a Global Opportunities Development Officer. I've worked within the department for over three years. And I suppose I should, before I introduce uh, our alumni guests this evening, I'll give you a bit of context on how I know them. So Neil Fleming uh, 
I've known for a number of years now. He's an international business with modern language uh, alumni and also did a master's in international business. I would have worked very closely with Nadal in terms of supporting and helping him with his placement year in Spain. Nadal was also a student, guidance, student assistant within Student Guidance Centre, so obviously get to know him and chat with him on a regular basis. Uh, Richard Kirk, um, I actually attended one of Richard's events down in Normal Baths, and it was a fantastic event talking about his company and the support that they gave young people and uh, modern apprenticeships. Uh, it turns out that uh, Richard and I have a few mutual contacts as well, or contacts. So I was it was recommended that I approach Richard to attend this evening, and you know obviously know one of three different events and the international opportunity he participated. I thought he'd be a fantastic fit this evening. Lisa McCann, uh, Lisa helped us out as Global Opportunities Ambassador over recent years, having participated in a lot of programs. So over recent years, Lisa has been providing information to classmates and other students about a range of different programs that she has participated on. So before I invite them on, I just want to say thank you very much for your participation this evening. And I look forward to asking you some questions in regards to your careers and your international experiences. Neil, can I ask you to interest yourself, uh, what you did at Queen's and basically just your, your Queen's experience? Yeah, so my name is Neil Fleming. Um, I started Queen's 10 years ago now, which is very scary. Uh, and I did an international business um, with Spanish. That was my undergraduate degree. Um, during that degree, as you said, Ray, I spent a year uh, working in Spain as part of my Erasmus program. Um, so I worked for Training Express in Madrid as a virtual um, coordinator. And really, really enjoyed that. And that was one of the big things that, that sort of brought me to, to the program. Um, I knew there was a year abroad. I knew it was going to further my language and further my sort of cultural experience there. So um, that was a, a big thing for me in choosing that, that degree path. Um, finished my, my undergraduate degree. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. So um, I took a year out, sort of worked up, um, worked in a local business, and then decided to want to come back um, and study um, my master's in international business. Um, during that time, then, that, that gave me the opportunity to work um, in the Student Guidance Centre. Um, to work closely with, with some of you guys um, in the careers department and then that obviously led on to just sort of my future future career path working in, in the states and stuff like that and um, so i'll get on to that i'm sure in the, in the next sort of question but yeah very very positive um experience at queens uh, both academically and um, socially and then working um in the, the sort of careers department and, and that definitely did set me up for for what i'm doing now is there anything you miss about the university? Thinking back now, uh, there's a few things, yeah, but it's probably, um, I mean, it's it's definitely the social life. Uh, it's definitely a, a bit more freedom that you have at it, um, and just I think the fact that um, it's your first time away from home. Um, I know it's slightly different now for the guys at the minute that are, that have come down. Um, I know that the lockdowns and stuff have stopped them, but um, yeah, I know there's a lot that I, I do miss about university, um, and I would just encourage everybody to. To really enjoy it while they can. Make the most of it. Thanks so much, Neil. Uh, what about yourself, Lisa? Can you give the introduction? Yeah, that's right. Um, hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Lisa McCann. As Ray said, um, I studied politics, philosophy, and economics. Um, I graduated last year, um, but during my degree, um, I spent one year in Tennessee as part of the Study USA program. And I also spent one semester at the University of Copenhagen on Erasmus. And um, just last year, I joined EY. So I'm a year in now, just last month. 
Um, and when I was at Queen's, I was fortunate to get in a lot of different programs. Um, I spent time in New York in the City Scholarship Program. I also spent two months in China um, on an internship program through Generation UK China, um, and then another three weeks in Shanghai um, just last year as well. Um, I suppose we get into that later on, Murray, but is there was anything yeah. else you wanted to know? No, no, I think it's pretty clear why we um, asked yourself, Lisa, to, to come along and join us based on all those experiences. Hey, Richard, can you hear us okay? Hi. Yes, yes, sorry about that, folks. No, no problem at all. Uh, Richard, we're just, can you can you introduce yourself, uh, the courses that you studied at Queen's, and just give an overall sort of how you was your Queen's experience? Yeah, sure. Um, the cloud city, civil uh, engineering at Queen's, master's degree, so four years in university, but it was split um, right down the middle by a placement year where I worked in industry, and that was a really good experience to get out and actually understand what a civil engineer did because even when I started my course I had no idea and uh, really just fell into it from uh, at a level so it was a good opportunity to apply what I learned and, and understand what the, the remaining two years were going to be about and, and how I was going to then apply that when I left and graduated. Fantastic and in terms of uh, subsequently leaving Queen's what sort of Roles have you taken up, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, so, uh, as is the case in many years at university, uh, if, if they like you, they'll offer you a job at the end um, if you come back. And so I worked for the, in the same companies. I worked for the, in the summers, and then I went back to work for that same company once I, once I graduated. And then obviously, it was 2005, um, but in 2004, I did my essay placement that summer, so I didn't work for them, and they were they thought I was crazy not working for us during the summer for uh, the essay, and we, we went and, uh, and did our placement in 2004, which I'm sure we're, we're going to talk about a bit later. And you currently own, uh, you currently founded and run your own company. Can you share a bit of insight into WorkPlus? Yeah, so uh, I was civil engineer in industry for for about seven years designing sewage treatment works. So you'll be glad I'm not gonna talk too much about that this evening. You know, we'll just skip over that. It doesn't go down well at dinner parties for some reason. I don't understand why. But anyway, so uh, yeah we, we did that for, for seven years. Really enjoyed that, but it was a very technical role and I then pushed the door which didn't open and I was a bit disappointed. So I applied to become a teacher because I heard the government talking a lot about needing people who had industry experience to come back and, and teach in primary schools. And I really wanted, I really, I've always loved working with young people and I've been a volunteer in youth work for the last 20 years myself since I was a teenager. And I thought I'll maybe go and be a teacher. And I applied to that and didn't get an interview. So that was a real disappointment for me. But in, in hindsight, um, which is always always good to look, to look back. I'm actually really grateful that I didn't because um, within the next year after applying for that, I, I a job came up which was still in the civil engineering space, but also allowed me to, to work with schools more. So I worked for the Institution of Civil Engineers, which is the membership body for civil engineers, and did that for 10 years. And then, as you say, whenever um, I started WorkPlus while I was there, and then in April last year, I set up WorkPlus, my own, my own business. And, 
that's again something which isn't really in our family DNA. We're not typical risk takers. We're not entrepreneurs by nature. Um, but it's interesting to see all these conservative family members now backing me and throwing in ideas. You know, and I've gone and done it. They're living this risk, risky life through me instead. But it's one that I've really enjoyed. You know, people thought I was mad starting a business during Brexit, and then COVID came, and you just couldn't imagine a worse time. But as we were chatting about just before the session, there, yeah, it doesn't exist because it's all problems for people. And it's about trying to understand what those problems are. And, and in our in a business, what we do is we make it easy for people to become apprentices. That's what we do. Fantastic. Thank you. Richard, thanks very much for the overview, sort of your work experience to date and your, and your current role in your company. And Lisa, you had mentioned that you have obviously the most recent of the graduates. So you, you started EY just over a year ago. Can you tell us about your role? That's right. Um, Ellen, I joined EY Consulting in September. I uh, taking part in an internship um, the year before that, Rory. So I had a good insight in, into what was I was joining. I, I joined the strategy team, and then when I came in as a graduate, um, it's been rebranded now. It's called Business Transformation. And, and in my role anyway, I provide a lot of support to um, the team. They undergo strategic planning and, and project management. So it's a great insight into a range of industries. And uh, at the moment, we're, we're very busy. You know, at the start of lockdown, it, it kind of slowed for a bit, but uh, the work seems to pick, uh, pick back up. And it is strange, you know, my first year, I've spent half the year at home. Uh, but thankfully, because I did that internship, I, I, um, I was, I suppose, well integrated into the team. I know it's certainly difficult for the new grads that have joined us this year, and um, all their induction training has been online. So similar to, as Richard mentioned, he completed an internship or a placement and then was offered a role. You were the same. You, you sort of dipped your toe in with your placement and then was able to secure a full-time graduate role. That's right, yeah. Fantastic. We'll come back to, I suppose, some of the areas around your career so far at a later stage. Neela, you obviously work within the hospitality and alcohol industry, which has been impacted a lot recently. Yeah. Tell us your, your roles since leaving Queen's. Yeah, so um, since leaving Queen's, and, and we'll sort of get on to that bit in a bit more detail, um, I worked on the, the brand team um, at Don Perignon Champion as part of my year um, in the USNA Mentorship Program. And so that was really my insight into the alcohol industry. Um, and then I came home from, from New York and um, got a, a sales and marketing role with um, Tenants as an account manager. Um, so Tenants NI, and um, worked predominantly with the, the hotel and the on-trade um, as an account manager um, for about 18 months with tenants. Um, joined a local um, whiskey distillery company that started up in Newry um, as their sales and marketing executive. But unfortunately, uh, due to COVID, it, it sort of um, slowed away down for us. Um, but luckily enough, have been able to secure another role with um, Moore & Jew Distillery um, as the sales and marketing executive for those guys. Um, we currently um, produce gin, a uh, flavored gin, um, two pot chains, uh, the legal kind, uh, and we've just launched uh, both whiskies and um, um, as well as that, it's really COVID. I know it's it's closed a lot of doors for a lot of people, but it's given us an opportunity to, to focus on hand sanitizer, um, which we make um, with the remnants of our gin. So without getting too technical, when you make gin, you can't use the whole batch. Um, so the waste gin, we've been able to turn that into hand sanitizer and sell that as an additional product, which has given us another revenue stream, um, which has basically kept us, us going um, very well during COVID. And um, we've seen a lot more people using the off-trade during COVID, obviously, with, with pubs and restaurants being locked down. So 
and we've been able to, to sort of see new marketing channels and new sales channels for ourselves and so although COVID's been a nightmare for for everybody it has given us a few more opportunities um, not that we're, we're sort of growing with that because we know that the hospitality industry has been really decimated and the announcement yesterday again was, was sort of hard for a lot of our, our clients to take um, but yeah it, it's been from Queens my, my career has just been from the alcohol industry straight through but um, with a sales and market um, marketing focus and um, so I've been really enjoying it. Fantastic. It's obviously the hospitality industry has built on sort of people sort of face-to-face -face interaction. How you I sort of lockdown and working remotely and video calls working for you guys? Um, I mean, as I said, just before we came online, um, we've been doing, we would usually have trade shows at this time of year um, and be putting into place my plan for 2021. Um, but just at the minute, um, I mean, all our stuff is done online. So I've been talking to a few buyers from Germany and from across Europe um, on a video platform. It's not quite the same because for ourselves, uh, the, the main thing that we can market ourselves on is, is the taste and the quality of our products. Um, so it, it is a wee bit more difficult that way. However, I mean, it's the best of a bad situation. We're still able to show sort of our, our marketing plan. We're able to show our bottles. We're able to show and get across the passion we have for the brand, um, which has been, been great for us. Otherwise, we wouldn't have been able to do it if there wasn't the sort of the virtual trade shows and stuff like that. Um, on a face-to-face on a -face basis, um, I mean, we can still get out and talk to our clients because um, a lot of our, our work now is in the off trade. Um, it just is the whole making sure it's social distance, making sure you're wearing a mask and the sanitizing. Um, it, it's it's quite regimented. But um, yeah, I mean, for the on trade, I, we just sort of feel for those guys because they're sort of out of business now for another four weeks. So um, definitely vir virtual and, and online sort of platforms have helped us um, still communicate with, especially the guys across the water. So in, in the UK, um, and in, in in Europe, but um, there's nothing really like getting out face to face and letting people actually taste your products. So we're looking forward to that. Hopefully, coming back next year. Ed, uh, I was going to say, if we move on to sort of international programs, Lisa, do you mind if I can start with you? What what's it like to travel out to New York and work for Morgan Stanley and at the end of your first year at the university? Um, yeah, I mean it was surreal. Um, I spent two weeks there, but really work shadowing. Um, Six of, uh, there were seven of us sent out to New York at that time um, and I was the only one at Morgan Stanley. We were all at different firms so I know like one person went to JP Morgan and kind of likes um, but it was just incredible and I suppose that experience in my first year really set me up for the experiences I had um, after that and even the experience of going for the interview, the application process gave me more confidence and, and gave me a better idea of, of what um, yourselves and, and other firms look for in those kind of applications um, but yeah I, it was the end of my first year I was you know like green and I suppose I still am but it, it definitely gave me a boost and even now in my job them going into a big meeting or anything like that I always kind of think back like well, I got through that okay you know <laughs> so those challenging positions have been in can yeah. you can you tell us about your study USA experience that's an interesting program that allows students to go out to the US for a year to do a certificate in business practice and business management. Uh, um, yeah, well, as I said, um, my background was really in politics, so study business um, really gave my degree another dimension. I spent a year out there in Tennessee at a small college um, called Maryville, and uh, there was only about 1,200 students, um, so very different from Queens, almost like going back to school in, in 
respect that the classrooms were very small and I got to know my teachers and, and they would know me by name. So it was a much more personal experience. Um, and it also just gave me an extra year to think about uh, what I wanted to do after I graduated um, and really prepared me then for my final year, which was more intense. But um, yeah, I, I couldn't recommend the, the program enough. Um, I just had a phenomenal time and it's very lucky I was able to join the soccer team and was able to travel around a lot of the southern states and, and during the breaks as well I met up with other students from here that were on the program and um, just learned a great uh, learned so much um, yeah do it all again. Did, did you find the American education system different from what you'd experience at Queen's? Um, definitely yeah I suppose uh, we would have lectures and tutorials here and um, it was, as I said it was kind of like going back to school and um, you had a strict timetable and um, yeah, more classes and the assessments were more often, uh, but smaller assessments, I wouldn't say that it was any more intense or any more difficult um, than it would be here. Um, and taking different subjects as well, um, just really added to the whole experience. And I, I got to take a little bit of like a range of different classes. So I did marketing classes, management, and I also took some politics class as well. Um, and the way the system works out there is, you know, it goes by credits. So I was able even to take a class and say rock climbing or outdoor pursuits. Um, so, I, you know, I, I know I was looking at my transcript the other day. I was, had to get it out of the cupboard and, um, you know, I couldn't believe that you know, rock climbing was on there. Um, but, yeah, just so many, so many things to explore. I took on a lot of new hobbies as well when I was out there. So you very much threw yourself into the, the experience as a whole. If we're, we're talking about New York there and we're talking about the U.S., um, Richard, I'm, I'm interested why you chose Tajikistan as your option to work abroad. I think in this case, a bit cheesy me. Tajikistan would have been top of anyone's list. But um, as, as I say, I was on the placement year in 2003, and the company said to me, come back in 2004 for your summer, you know, for summer work as well. And I remember expressed an interest in the ISA program and um, contacted me and they said oh we've got a placement for you in Hungary and and I, at the same time I was talking to my the company that I might get work with and just looking at it you know purely for like oh, there's a whatever 20, 20 21 year old just thinking oh I'm going to be able to make more money if I stay at home and I'll, that'll cover my, my student fees for next year and all of that and so I, I turned Hungary down and it was pretty it's a pretty stupid thing to do, to be honest. Like, you know, I was, I was just thinking about spend, paying my student fees. And then they came back to me and they, well, actually, we've got somewhere a bit more exotic. And uh, I'm thinking probably Caribbean or something like that. But he actually said, no, Tajikistan. And I had to go and look it up on the map. I'd never heard of it before. And so I chatted with a couple of friends about it. And they said, you know what? You've got a student loan. Just that will pay for your fees. Go and Tajikistan. And just sure what's what's the worst that's going to happen. So anyway, I, I I went for it and I worked for a French aid agency for three months, and they were carrying out a, a, like a European Union project in Tajikistan. It, it, it it's kind of a it's right on the frontier between what was the USSR and Afghanistan. So just if, maybe some of you aren't aware, but you know you kind of wind the clock back two thousand and four. There weren't, there weren't a lot of people going to Central Asia um, because the US and, and British Army had invaded. Uh, had invaded. And um, 
Afghanistan and, and, and there was just so much tension in that, in that place. So it was a bit crazy to think I was going, but I just, I really do, was just encouraged to go and go and do it. It was a one, once in a lifetime opportunity. And, and so far, like it was 16 years ago, it, it is still once in a lifetime. I haven't been anywhere like that ever again. And not for, not for, for, for bad reasons, just have, that opportunity just hasn't come up again. And I would just encourage folks tonight, you know, if, if you get those sorts of opportunities, don't don't be as stupid as I was with Hungary and, 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 and really grab them with, with both hands because at a stage of your life where you, you maybe you don't have a family, you don't have a mortgage, all those sorts of things, you can be more flexible. And I learned things out there about, about myself. Um, I learned about current sanitation as well. We were installing hand pumps for people that had never had clean water in their life. And yet 30 miles up there in the capital, the government was investing in a water park. You know, there's such poverty in, 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 in that place. And they were just torn between are we an Islamic Republic or are we a Soviet? And it was fascinating to be in the middle of all that. And I got to learn Russian while I was there as well from the Lonely Planet guidebook, which I still have, it's well thumbed by the end. And just random things that you just don't get to do. And yeah, a few waterborne diseases while I was there too. <laughs> that, 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 we'll, 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 we'll let that one go. But no, it was really amazing to be able to make such a, an impact um, through very simple things. You know, you know, putting clean water in people's mouths um, is a real privilege. And it's actually not a very complex process. And someone recently, um, you know, subsequently said to me, civil engineers save more lives than doctors. And I know there'd be a few medics who would discount that. And obviously, we've got a real reliance on the NHS this year. But NHS often just treats things as they find them. Whereas civil engineers can be involved in creating the conditions by which people don't get sick in the first place, and and that that I don't think I really appreciated that until I came back and um, just reflecting on it. Now I feel really proud to be involved in the project, and I met some really amazing people, some really funny people, um, and just that international language of of laughter and jokes and things like football and those sorts of things, you know, just 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 gets you through, you know. Yeah. I get, I get the impression, Richard, that obviously the social enterprise and it sort of lends itself well to your your volunteering backgrounds, the line of work you're in now, and your sort of values. Would that be right? Yeah. Uh, if, if we yeah, if, if if you just talk, I guess if we're talking about business. Um, you, you don't start a business because because someone tells you to. That that's never how it happens. And and for me, it's not something I set out to do. But what for me uh it's so important is it is that you're living out your values every day and that might sound like something from you know i think that's like a self-help book or scrap but but if, you, if you're going to do something that you really love and it's so so close to the things that you value in life then you're going to want to do that for the rest of your life and i, I was on a program earlier this year because we're developing a technology platform we're developing UCAS for apprenticeships or CAO, if you're in the Republic of Ireland or you know other countries will have their own platform. That's what we're doing. We're developing UCAS for apprenticeships. So it's, it's a product and, 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 and lots of these platforms will be sold at some point. People often talk to us about exit strategy. You know, how you, who are you going to sell to? How much are you going to sell for? When are you going to sell and all of this? What's your exit strategy? And the reality is I don't have one because it's, it's, because it's so much who, who I am and, and 
my wife in on this as well, you know, and as you say, she works at Queen's, but she's one day a week with, with Work Plus as well. And uh, yeah. it was all cleared, it was all cleared with Queen's beforehand. <laughs> um, but, but, uh, but, but, you know, we, we're, this is us. This is the, we, we want to help young people flourish in life. And we want to help businesses find really good people and develop them. And that's, and that's very much part of who we are. And it's just a real privilege to, to, to do something that you love every day. You know, that cliche of if you do something you love every day, you'll not have to go work again, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard graft, but, but we've got a real sense of purpose. I don't ever forget what I'm doing. And, and having the chats this week with some of the apprentices that we've helped place in their companies just makes you feel immensely proud that you've been able to be part of that and you've, you've been able to make a process simpler for them than it would have been if, if you just left it to government to do it. Fantastic. Very, very good. That's a nice little day, sir. Neil, mo moving on to yourself, you obviously mentioned, made reference to your placement year in, in Spain. Can you tell us just a wee bit about that experience and what you got from it? Yeah, well, that was my first real experience being away from home. Um, obviously, university and, and Queens was just up the road. Um, so it was, although you were you were sort of living away, you were never really living away. You were going home at the weekends and stuff. Um, so I went to Madrid in my that was my third year, um, and it involved um, full time work in a Spanish office, a completely Spanish speaking office. Um, it involved finding your own um, place to live. Um, sort of finding your own flatmates, and, and I was lucky enough that um, one of my um, one of my my course colleagues um, actually got working in the same company, and um, so the two of us found a house together, and then ended up with another Queen student as well. Um, but we we did fall in with a lot of Spanish people. And um, starting off, it was really really hard. Uh, going from maybe four or five hours of Spanish class a week to an intensive fully integrated Spanish speaking office was um to be honest it was overwhelming for the first probably two or three weeks. Um and then you, you do sort of get into it. They encourage you the Spanish are, are really lovely people um, and they encourage me so much to to get talking to them in Spanish all the time. And um, they were always there for me to to ask questions about work and and again it was probably my it's my first ever full time job. So not only was it my first ever full-time job, it was my first ever full-time job in another language uh, and you were learning platforms and stuff that you had never used. So um, Madrid really, really helped me professionally and um, that year helped me professionally. It helped me as a person as well. Um, it gave me a lot more confidence. Um, it gave me a lot more sort of independence and, and belief in myself that if I went abroad, um, I knew I, if, I, if I knew I could go abroad and learn, a, not learn a different language, but make myself fully proficient in a different language, um, and make myself sort of an integral part of the company. Um, I knew then that that I could sort of put my hand to anything. Um, so it did give me a lot of confidence when I came home, and it, it sort of made me focus a lot more for my final year. Um, I think for the first two years, obviously, it was sort of you were going out, you were maybe partying a wee bit, and and you didn't really fully appreciate how important it was for your, for your education. But um, it did give me a lot more maturity when I came home um, and then it opened my eyes to a lot more um, opportunities that, that I might not have looked at if I had just stayed um, in Belfast for the full three years. Um, it then sort of let me look and see, you know, I actually want to go abroad again. I want to go to a different culture. I want to experience this and I want to work somewhere else that, that's not up there before I settle down. So it, it was really good that way. So the... The year abroad not only helping your final year, but I suppose helping your next international experience on the USNA mentorship program. Yeah, so um, I went. I think it was 
2017, um, I spent a year in the US um, on the USNA mentorship program. Um, it's a program for recent graduates um, and it's available to all, all students um, from, from Northern Ireland. Um, we basically, there, there was 10 of us in our year um, and you're placed in, in a US company. Um, some of them are, are like world renowned, like Coca-Cola. Um, the placement there was in Atlanta. Um, there was Xerox in upstate New York. Um, Moat Hennessy for myself, um, and then we had um, Teneo, um, which is a consultancy firm who basically handled the PR and stuff for the Clintons, um, and that's founded by a temporary man, Declan Kelly, who was also the founder of the program. Um, so going abroad to New York, again, I sort of knew that, like that, although Madrid was far away, New York was even further, um, and you were being thrown into a world-class brand. I mean, Don Perignon, I had never tasted champagne. Uh, before he went to America, or if he did taste it, I couldn't tell the difference between it and Protect or whatever. Uh, and then, as soon as I was a month or two over there, I started to bore everybody with the history of it and the tasting and all that, uh, and, and sort of got really into it. Um, but I, I was placed in, in the brand team, um, and when you're over there, that's a completely different experience to anything I, I've ever done before. And um, you're given so much responsibility. Um, it, whether it's sort of organizing um, point of sale and stuff like that there for, for Oscars after parties or for um, like the, the Met Gala in New York, stuff like that. Um, we, we had launched our three vintages that year. Um, so we had the global um, launch in New York that year and, and I was given responsibility for the social media and stuff for that um, and working with, with print and press. So you you you're really thrown in at the deep end. Um, it's quite a small team in a big company as well, so everybody's sort of meant to be their part. And you, you learn the difference of, of working a nine-to-five job and basically being switched on all the time. But, but I think that really gives you a good work ethic to bring back home, and that, that's what a lot of companies here, I think, like to see, um, that you're willing to go the extra mile. And, and New York definitely taught me that much. Um, it wasn't just professionally, though. It, it was, um, again... They don't, they don't help you out, and it's a deliberate way. They don't help you out of finding your own place to live or, or anything like that. There. You're, you're sort of left to your own devices. And, I, and as much as Madrid taught me a, a degree of maturity, um, going to America, finding my own housemates, basically finding my own social circle over there, and adjusting professionally, that, that was a real sort of um, a real step up for me. And, and it's, it's really, really helped me gain a lot of confidence, a lot of maturity. Um, and, and basically open my eyes to, to what's out there. Fantastic. And I suppose my next question is just to, to all three of you. What, what would you see you gain from your international experiences? Hey, well, I, I go first then. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's basically, um, as, I, as I said there, and I, I don't really want to repeat myself, but like the maturity and the confidence and, and sort of, the way it, it helps you put yourself out there, I think, is a big thing for me. Um, I would have always been sort of quiet, quiet and reserved. Um, I would have been maybe afraid to ask for help a lot of the time. Um, but when you work in New York and when you work in America, and I'm sure it's the same sort of in other cultures around the world, um, they tell you that you can't do that. You have to go and ask. Like If you ask someone for something and they haven't done it for you, there's a culture over there of going and standing at their desk and checking up on them. Uh, and, and basically making them do it while they're there. So you, you sort of learn to, to do that. Um, you learn to, to make your voice heard a wee bit more. Um, and then obviously for me, it, it set me on the path that I'm on now. Um, I had come out of university 
with a degree in international business and Spanish and then with my master's and not really knowing what sort of business sector I wanted to go into and what business function I wanted to go into. But but the fact that I got into a marketing team like the, the Don Perignon brand team, it really set me on my way um, and it, it, it did open my eyes that this is what I want to do. This is what I think I'm passionate about um, and bring the expertise that I, that I learned over there at home and be able to apply that to to brands that I work with now. So be able to apply like a world-class, world-renowned brand um, image and hopefully project that on the, to our brand and be able to grow it in the same sort of mold. Fantastic. Thank you, Austin. Is there anything, Lisa or Richard, you'd like to add in terms of what you gain from your experiences? Um, yeah, I agree absolutely with everything Neil said there. Um, just the independence you gain from going abroad and, and being thrown into the deep end, in, in a sense. Um, even the likes of going to China and, and navigating transport or things we take for granted here and um, doing that in another language it, it really does um boost your confidence and, and gives you a greater appreciation even for um other people who are traveling and people that come to this country um i would say that um lost my train of thought there <laughs> very sorry but, no, no problem um yeah yeah i'll pass it on to richard uh-huh. <laughs> um. Yeah, I would I would echo uh, what Neil and, and Lisa have said, and I think whenever I saw ISDA, you know, was it the International Association for the Exchange of Students for Technical Experience? Um, I, I'm not suggesting it needs to be rebranded, but the T word is is so small, you know. So technical experience, you, I, loved, I, loved my, I what I found was I had a I had a, a cultural experience um, <laughs> growing up. <laughs> only ever lived within five miles of Belfast, and only only started to speak to people west of the band whenever I was eighteen. When I went to university, you know, and now I, I was being thrown into a completely different culture. And what what I found was it was it, it was the social experience, it was the cultural experience that you were learning how to get on with people. You were learning skills, social intelligence that you. You just had to because you had nowhere else to turn. You had no mates, you had parents, you had no siblings to, to turn to. And he had to make the most of it. And and I I didn't learn an awful lot in terms of the technical side of things, but I, I learned so much more, which I'm able to apply even today because the technical stuff will come, the technical stuff will go, but what, what we need to develop especially with a digitized world where technical stuff is going to be done more and more by automation and robots. We need to learn what, what makes us more human. Uh, and, it's, and it's cognitive ability, it's social intelligence, it's emotional intelligence. To be able to get all the people, even people you don't like. <laughs> and uh, that, that was, that, that, that's, what, that's what I learned. Um, I just had a blast, you know, it was just the most random experience. Like I remember one, like, one night we were lit, we were sleeping in like right in this hut, and it was on the river, which is the border between Afghanistan and Tajikistan. And, like I didn't sleep a wink. I was just lying there all night. You know, it was 2004, Taliban, all that. But it just is, is amazing to be able to think that you did that and and you got through it, and, and you met so many kind and generous people along the way, and and that was that was really that really impacts me even today. Very good. It's the sort of thing when you get older, you. You maybe hesitate doing, or you maybe think over too much. You would. Um, well, I'm going to. Yeah. I'm going to move on to. Uh, I would encourage anyone who's uh, any of the participants or any students that are on the 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 webinar here. If there are any questions, please post them in the chat. And we'll come to them in a few minutes. But just in terms of 
sort of final conclusions and advice? Is there, is there anything that you would share with the, with the students at Queen's? Or if you were still at Queen's, what would you tell yourself then? I'd say the biggest piece of advice I'd have really is, is to speak to people who've been on the programmes. Um, I was very lucky at Queen's, I was involved in a lot of different societies and I was on the netball team um, as part of an actus, uh, part of like, my class society. Um, so I knew people, I knew people of people who'd been on those programmes and they were a great help to me um, just to gain an insight into what the programme would be. Um, so that's what my key advice would be to go out and ask them, don't be afraid um, because most of the time they love to offload and, and tell you everything about the program. Um, so that, that's my biggest piece for this. Fantastic. And basically sees, sees opportunities that are available both locally and sort of internationally as well across the university. Absolutely, yeah. Fantastic. And uh, Neil, uh, what about yourself? Is there any sort of advice that you would share with yourself if you're back at university or the students listening? Yeah, I mean, I I would completely echo what Lisa said. I was I I never actually spoke to anybody really that that was on any of the programs, and I really wish I did, um, because it would have it would have encouraged me to to do some of the things like I had done the Camp America, um, and I did that between my my year of of being an undergraduate and then my my master's degree. And if I had to spoke to someone who had done that a lot earlier, um, I I, I definitely would have would have done Camp America the three or four years I was at university and um, it was such a good experience and um, the one the one big thing I, I would say and it, it is coming probably across as and I've always sort of said that I was a big sort of fan of the careers department not just from having worked there and um, but the help I received um, from the careers department and the fact that the careers department was the, the sort of way that I, I got pointed towards the US and a mentorship program um, from start to finish like I was helped a lot um, from my, my application um, through, and the application process for it was quite long. I mean, there was a CV and cover letter, then there was an initial interview, and then you get onto the program, but you mightn't secure a placement. Um, and I had three interviews with Moet Hennessy, and, and the careers department were there for me every step of the way. Um, even the, the interview that I that didn't go successfully for me at Coca-Cola, I mean, it, they didn't just leave me after that. They, they sort of picked me up and, and went through it and gave me a bit of feedback on it, which was great for me. Um, and just really, I, I didn't use the careers department until my, my master's degree. And if I had used it during my undergrad, I think I would have had a lot more experiences. Some of the stuff that, that Lisa's talking about there, like the, the study China and stuff, or, or maybe studying in the USA, um, it would open my eyes to that. So I think my, my piece of advice and, and sort of the one thing I would say is definitely use the, the resources available. I know it's not probably a drop-in center at the minute, but as you said, there are the virtual sessions everybody's just a, a click of an email away um, yeah. and my future was brilliant for me and um, that was how I sort of found out about a lot of things and I think it's still going I heard Connell mention it so it's not been that's not outdated yet um, but yeah like, it was brilliant that's how I found the USNA mentorship program and, and that's where I would always sort of tell people to, to check up on um, for, for those sorts of opportunities. Fantastic Neil. Um, we always we always appreciate the, the kind plugs we do. But um, both of both these have made reference are to sort of speaking to people and sort of getting advice and getting help and support. You know, the, the name of this session is Alumni Networking. Richard, just a, a was a final question yourself, you know, networking and, and speaking with people and sort of soundboarding ideas and advice, that's something you'd encourage yourself. Yeah, it's it's not something which comes comes very naturally. Like I I still remember um, probably even someone starting Queens when I was eighteen, just just being really not 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 confident at, at all, really not able to, to speak well, not able to 
feel comfortable going up to someone and just having a conversation with them and but it's but it's something like it's like a muscle you know you just the, the more you stretch stretch it and stress it if it feels a bit sore at the time it, it it will it will improve and and it's really it's really important to to do that and the the reason I'm doing what I'm doing now is because because of as I said earlier living out trying to live out those values every day and it's rooted deeply in who in who we who we are the the couple and I'm working that out. But, it's also about just putting yourself out there and you know it is going to maybe feel a bit, bit embarrassing or it's going to be cringeworthy or you could say the wrong thing or but just 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 go ahead and do it and and, and what's the worst that's going to happen you, you know you want to you know it's like it's the best thing that can happen is it could actually end up changing your life and i got a good bit of advice a few years ago just about trying to trying to say yes as much as possible as you possibly can like provided it's obviously about board and all of that but you know just just just, just say just say yes and like even as a business i know that whenever we're we're trying to work for clients or whatever we're not going in with a sense of oh we can only do this for you i'm not saying where we're selling what we're trying to do we're going in with an attitude of there's a problem here we think we can solve it give give it to us and we'll go away and work it out and it might not be the time you know kind of sorted but you can go and, and, and because you've got that network, you can go and work out how to solve something. But that all started with just being, putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation to, to, to develop essentially like a, like a muscle that would be stronger and stronger over time. And then that's what you're able to rely on to, to give you the strength that you need to be able to do the things that you do now. So it's, it's kind of hard to kind of probably picture that, I guess, you know, when I'm talking to my 20, you know, 18 year old self 20 years back, but, but um, you know, it's it's it just it, feeling uncomfortable is not the worst thing in the in the world. You know, you just got to do it and uh, and really take the opportunities that you can and, and, and say yes more than you say no. Excellent. No, thank you very much. And taking those small steps and putting yourself out there a bit more as well. Um, I'm going to invite Conleth on. Just there's a, I know there's a few questions that have been asked from the students. Yeah, yeah. There, there's been there's been three or four questions here, but just just before I get on to the questions, um, I always I always find it amazing. We we talk we talk to a lot of employers, and we always hear that they're looking for skills like um, you know communication skills, networking skills, presentation skills, and you know undertaking you know global opportunities or any opportunities and um, will build up those skills. But some somebody's touched on a few things, a few ones that sometimes get forgotten. The likes of building your confidence. Um, and your maturity, and one for me that I always think is, you know, is resilience. And um, going out to Tajikistan or to Maryville or whether it's going to Madrid, um, on a global program, you know, it, it builds up. You have to get used to new accommodation, new colleagues, new city, new language, new culture, and it's the, you know, that builds up your resilience as well. And I suppose it, it's quite apparent in this day and age when. Companies are having to pivot, or companies are having to be more flexible with how they're they're approaching business. That that resilience um, can stand you in know, good stead um, in today's employment market. And I think that's something that employers are also looking for as well. That that resilience and flexibility also. Um, so it wasn't a question; it was just more more of a statement. So um, I'll get on to the questions now, folks. Um, uh, and this probably would maybe maybe even be answered by yourself, Rory, as well. Um, so Brenda asked, any advice for final years on how to pursue um, international graduate roles this year? And I suppose with the mind of um, COVID and, and you know, um, limitations as well, 
Um, so um, uh, Brenda said that um, she's um, should she stick with her placement company who's based in Ireland um, and then think of maybe travel opportunities after she graduates. And that's I suppose that's not open to anybody in, in particular, but more um, you know if anybody has any uh, advice on finding international graduate roles um, during the current climate. I mean, for me, yeah, Connor, you you would have known it well because um, when I was there, there's there's the push on my future, um, and I'm sure that there's still that element that there, there will be placement roles on that or, or graduate roles, sorry, um, for for students. Um, with regards to how COVID's going to impact it, like I, I don't think any of us are too sure, but um, definitely just I, I as I've sort of said already, I would keep in touch with the, the careers advisors. Um, and they would hopefully be be able to steer you in the right direction. Um, I know that there's the opportunity that if you get into a company that they will send you out. I know First Derivatives and Yuri are quite quite good at that. Um, and a lot of other companies are, are similarly minded. Um, but I mean, if it's an international placement you want, that, that's really what I wanted when, when I graduated from my um, from my masters. Um, I think you, you sort of keep yourself open to, to looking at opportunities, whether it is on my future whether it's on job websites, and if you do see it, you can reach out to the employer as well and just maybe see their state of play and see if they're, they're still willing to take on international graduates at this time or, or what really their plan is for it. I think just to add that, uh, Neil's right, if you can book an appointment with a careers consultant just to sort of tease out what your, your thoughts are and what your sort of aims are, you can obviously book an appointment with ourselves through my future to have a a look at some of the international opportunities that we're promoting and coordinating and supporting. But um, it's a certain point, we'll just be getting sort of your ideas, your CV, and your sort of get yourself organized. But it, it depends also what subject area you are from, because, you know, like say, I asked, you can provide a graduate year abroad if you're within sort of STEM related subjects, but also similar to Neil, the USNI mentorship program, and also like the RIAN J1 visa program in the US. So, Thanks for just having a few initial conversations with the with the career service. Yeah, and I suppose it shouldn't be forgotten as well that a lot of international companies are maybe pivoting towards maybe virtual placements um, or remote placements, and might be might be able to take on students that way with a view to maybe a, a more physical placement when when um, travel restrictions reduce as well. Um, we've got a question from Warren. Any advice on applying for programs and preparing for interviews um, as part of the application? Um, and I suppose, how did you present yourself as the best candidate for the placement or role? Um, I'll go to yourself, Richard, for that one. Um, uh, if you can provide any advice. Um, Warren, thanks for that. Uh, great, great, great question. And it's one which, which doesn't just apply to uh, student programs. It will be something that you maybe have to do during during life as well. Um, I, th I think it's, it's like any exam that we would have done at school or university, you're always encouraged to answer the question. Uh, I know I often struggled with that at school. I often wondered, especially in English and stuff like that, you know, would have gone off on a tangent. So think about the, the question that, that, that you're trying to answer. Um, think about the type of person they're looking for. Make sure that you understand the, the company no, you don't need to know the ins and outs, everything about their accounts and all of that, but make sure you've gone to at least the public parts of their their their, their company, learn about them, learn about the role, 
read a bit wider, maybe about the general industry as well, and, and, and think about how you're going to give them examples of why you're going to be the best candidate. So if you're applying for a placement and there are specific uh, aspects that you're going to have to undertake, give them an example when you've already done that. Now, it might not be that you've done it in an engineering company or in a, a drinks company or whatever, but think about what were the skills that are needed for that role and how have I done that elsewhere in life, whether it's my sports team, whether it's school, whether it was in a music group or a choir, when they're asking about team working, talk about when you've been in teams, like sports teams or, or, or whatever. Just think about the, the answers to the question, because the person on the other side of that table will listen to a lot of people. They'll be interviewing a lot of people. You want to be the one to stand out because you've respected them enough to answer the question that they've set you. You don't think it's a question, you don't feel like it's an exam, but it is. They're asking you for the criteria. And you've got to show them examples of when you've when you've done that from from all walks of life. So hopefully that's helpful. Brilliant. Thank you, Richard. Thanks so much. Um, a question I'm going to just um, put to Lisa. Um, obviously, so you've um, undertaken well, four global opportunities as far as we can see. Um, but how uh, Victoria's asked a question: How did you raise funds for you know those programs, including the likes of living costs and travel costs? Yeah, that's a very good question, Colin, um, and it's it's worth putting a lot of effort um, thought into. Um, I think with the programs I was part of, I was very lucky, and um, that the Study ESA program is is heavily funded. Um, you know, my accommodation, my living, um, the uh, tuition fees, that was all covered. I did have to uh, budget, you know, for some extra living expenses and for whatever travel I wanted to do. So, the summer before I went away to the US, um, you know, I worked. Um, quite a number of hours and CFD for that. It's the same with the Generation UK China program and the study uh, China program as well. And they are, I'd say they're partly funded, but uh, a large part of them um, are, are covered. I think I had to cover the flights for both of those programs. Um, but the Career Centre or you guys in the Go Global team um, were excellent and, and my school as well were. And um, you can apply for different grants. So I was very lucky to get a, like an international um, travel grant um, both for Erasmus and for the China, um, the, for China pro programs. Um, but yeah, I think um, I think we really talked about that earlier. You know, asking people what their experience was of these kind of programs, and you want to take that with a pinch of salt as well, because everyone's experience will be different. And I know if I had listened to everyone that I talked to, um, I may I may have been put off, you know, say Erasmus because of the expense of Copenhagen. But when I sat down and went through. You know what my budget was going to be, um, and and looked at all my options, including the Erasmus grant. Um, I'm, I'm very glad that I, I went through it and did the program. It was more than worth it. Um, but yeah, it is it is certainly something you want to consider. Um, how you're going to, you know, what expenses you have just just from from living as well. Uh, but it shouldn't put you off, you know. Brilliant. Thanks, thanks, Lisa. Um, I'm just going to add that, Lisa, and uh, it's, it's fantastic advice. Just, I'd encourage students, don't be ruling yourself out of something first. Mm -hmm. uh, come and chat with us or speak with students who participate in the programme, and then you can make an informed decision at that stage. Brilliant. Um, I see another question just from, from Mark. Um, do employers know that we may only have a certain knowledge on subjects since placement is the beginning of our careers for a lot of us? And I suppose. Um, this would apply to some of yourselves and um, you know, you're starting in a, a new company or a placement um, and you would always have that worry that you know am i doing everything right um but 
you know, how did you find when you when you started with your like Neil? How did you find when you started with Moe Hennessy? You were coming straight in, but you were having to jump into programs quite quickly. Um, I'm assuming you got training, etc. Um, actually, to be fair, my, mine was a lot of on the job training. Um, I was lucky enough to my brand director was was an English guy, um, Richard Beaumont, and um, I was the first on premium um intern. I think in about about two years, so. Um, he he was really helpful to me. Um, he had sort of taken me under his wing, showed me what I needed to do. Um, there were some stupid questions that I that I had, and I'm sort of cringing at myself now for asking them. But you have to ask those questions. Um, there's no point to sit in the dark or sitting worrying about what they're going to think of you if you ask certain questions. Like I, I was asking questions like, "What is POS for point of sale?" And it was being mentioned about 10, 15 times in the one meeting. And and, and it only was after I piped up to, to ask what it was, then I started to understand it um, and understand it why. And it was a big part of my role. Um, so it turned out then that, that I just asked a lot of people for training um, if I didn't know how to do something. As I said, the U.S. is very put yourself out there and um, make sure if you don't understand something, you ask someone until you do learn it. Um, and it ended up that, that I took over the, the point of sale planning for the whole um, US, all 50 states um, for the brand. So at that point, before I left, I, I had developed a new system um, that was rolled out to all the other champagne brands um, in the, the sort of the portfolio. And I was taking training of, of French um, interns, of brand managers who had been at the job for five, 10 years. Um, so. I think yeah, like they know that you're not going to know everything when you come in. But if you're willing to learn, then that's that's the best advice I can give. That be open to asking for help. Be open to taking the training. Be open to asking maybe people that you're not comfortable with or you think are too senior for a, bit, a moment of their time and maybe discuss with them if you have anything that you're uncomfortable with because they they will help you with it. They're they're industry professionals, but they're also people at the end of the day, and they're also like I, I've made a lot of friends out of the companies that I've been in. Um, and a lot of the friends that I made have been my bosses. Um, but I think it is because you're sort of willing to talk to them on a personal level and you're willing to engage and learn with them and, and you're putting in the work. So that would be my advice. Just make sure you're, you're putting yourself out there to learn and to ask questions at, at every opportunity. Yeah, no, no, good answer. Good answer, Nate. Thanks, Rosie. Uh, I think it's, it's getting to that stage where we're, we've run out of time. We could probably stay here for another hour or two. There's, possibly one or two questions we haven't got around to answering, so apologies for that. But I, I want to take the opportunity to say thank you very much to Neil, Lisa and Richard. Uh, we really appreciate not only your time sort of this evening, but also in the lead up to tonight's event. And I think it's, it's fantastic you're able to talk about so many amazing opportunities. You know, I asked a we've talked about Study USA, we've talked about Erasmus, we've talked about summer camps in the US, the USNI mentorship program and Generation UK. Uh, all fantastic opportunities, different uh, lengths and, and different sort of things to bear in mind. But for any students, I would encourage them to you know reach out to the Global Opportunities team and sort of have a chat with us. Okay, folks, um, thanks very much for joining this evening for our alumni network evening. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, just a final thanks goes to Lisa, Neil and Richard for kindly sharing their insights and experiences by their international programs and also their careers today. Thank you very much. All the best. Bye. Bye now. Thanks, Ray. Thanks, Connor. Bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to a podcast from the Careers, Employability and Skills team at Queen's. Music by Ben Sound. To access Careers Support at Queen's, please visit our website, 
go.qub.ac.uk forward slash careers or follow at QUB Careers on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter.